Trading Nut, episode 149. And I thought, wait a second. That's got to be a principle in life. What if I stopped looking for opportunities to make money in the markets? The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Nut Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Roger Curry here on the show. Now, Roger comes with a unique perspective, and in fact, he's a creator of something called the Market Vulnerability Analysis, and we're going to discuss the eight factors that move the markets today, along with liquidity pools we touch on, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, one of the things we do mention at the start of the show, which is completely not trading-related, is... Uh, health and Roger just happened, and we just stumbled across this during a conversation. Just happened to be the creative of a website where he's put all of his health hacks on there for you guys to devour. Now, I'm going to put that link in the show notes, so go and check that out afterwards. But one of the things he talks about is high dose vitamin C. So, I'm holding up in front of me uh, a vitamin C uh, tab, I think a tablet here. Now, this is 1200. Uh, milligrams or micrograms or whatever and it is uh, saying one a day here on the packet we're talking high dose we're talking like one every hour or even more often than that now I've tested this out in the last few weeks since we did the interview and I can tell you these things so I had a tooth operation pretty pretty serious I was in there for three hours and uh, afterwards I took painkillers during the day because it was actually very sore and then I thought the painkillers are wearing off I could feel it then I started taking a couple of these, right? For whatever reason, the pain disappeared on my toothache. So, and that lasted the whole night, and it never actually came back. So I sort of kept topping it up with these. Never came back. So that was number one. Number two, um, I this weekend had a sore throat on Sunday morning. Woke up. I've been here. That was a big weekend. I've been away. A couple of big nights out, and I had a sore throat. Woke up, and I thought, right, let's get on these things. Did that all day. By the end of the day, sore throat was gone, um, tried it with uh, hangovers as well the weekend before, so I've had a couple of big weekends, I tried it with a hangover as well, I don't know if it really worked, I couldn't tell, um, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, I, I didn't probably do it quite right, but uh, I couldn't tell if it worked for hangovers, but it did work for the tooth pain, which is pain, and the other one was a sore throat, which was infection, so it's worth, it's worth trying out, right? It's worth trying out. Now, um, yeah, check the link out underneath the show notes. There'll be a link, uh, sorry, there'll be a link in the show notes on Roger's page. So go and check that out after you've watched. And we'll talk a little, little bit about it at the start of the show as well. Now, um, we've got three videos being released this week as well. Uh, on the Trading Nut YouTube channel, so go and check those out. Now, one is with Derek Vanderlinder, which I shot a few um, weeks ago, if not a couple of months ago. So I'm releasing that where he walks through his shark fin strategy. Uh, we've got Dr. Martin's strategy 
the one that got him to $149,000 from like 5K in six months. So what strategy he used. So this is going to be, a, this is a doozy of a little video, okay? So it's really going to make you think. Um, and it was high risk and he doesn't do this anymore, but you're going to see that video coming live this week along with a demo of the Mudrex platform. In fact, the robot building capability of the ro- of the Mud. Mudrex platform, so my sponsor Mudrex, have the ability to build trading robots in there, and this is something I've uh, do with my Robot Builders Club, I teach you guys how to use another bit of software which is probably much more sophisticated, uh, that gets you to build or automate anything you can dream up, fully or semi-automated, um, it's up to you, it's called uh, FX Dreamer, and it's part of my Robot Builders Club where I teach you how to do it, now one of the robots I'm running at the moment is called Fake Structure Bot, so this is only available month of November, you get the source code, you can adapt this to your liking it users market structure there's a video that you'll see pop up probably at the end of this interview that you can check out more on that now the doors are closing soon to my uh, robot builders club if you do want to come on board now is the time and november is probably a pretty good month because i'm probably going to do something i haven't confirmed it yet for black friday so stay tuned for that which is next week if you're watching this in the week that it gets launched all right folks enough from me let's get on with the show with roger Hey folks, my sponsors City Traders Imperium have just launched some amazing changes to their funded trader program you got to check out. You can now skip the whole evaluation, trade gold as well as Forex, plus they've increased the drawdown you're allowed in both the evaluation and when funded. With CTI, it's even faster and easier to reach up to $4 million in funding with a 50 to 70% profit share. Click the link in the description to find out what else has changed. All right, folks, here we are in Trading Up. We've got Roger Curry here on the show. Now, Roger is the uh, creator of market vulnerability analysis. We're going to find out what that is and how that can help you during the show. Welcome aboard, Roger. Thank you for having me, Cam. It's good to be here. Well, look, guys, before we jump into this, I'm going to sort of segue here a bit. So before the show, we spent about 20 minutes chatting about uh, something that Roger has a quite a bit of a passion on, which is, which is I suppose, health and um I I have a passion there as well, and what he sent me is a link, which I'm going to put in the show notes. So guys, if you're looking to combat things like the common cold, um, infections, what else have we got in here? Uh, Back pain. Back pain. uh, throat. Uh, all kinds of things, all, yeah. All kinds of things that I seem to be trying to fix all the time. Um, find the link in the show notes. So uh, this is, I haven't had to read through it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading through it after the show. Now, uh, let's crack on with this and find out how you got into trading and investing and what you do. What's your story? Yeah, well, so it was 1996 and I caught the uh, the trading uh, revolution bug like a lot of people at that time. So um, got in invested in uh, whatever I could uh, find that would be credible, that was uh, make, that would make sense. Um, and like most people, you get in, you make some money, and then you start to find yourself giving it back, right? So you, you get that roller coaster experience. You win some, you lose some. And whatever strategy, whatever approach I seem to invest in, um, you know, no matter how diligent I am at applying it, eventually at some point, months down the road, it starts to kind of work inconsistently or poorly or not at all. So that was very frustrating. So then I'd go off getting the version 2.0 or that wouldn't work. And then I have to go look for the next new thing or what's working now. And literally for 14 years, this was the pattern of experience. 
And it, it's quite addictive in a sense because, you know, you think about, if, well, I'm successful in other areas of my life. How come this thing that, you know, doesn't seem like it should be that complicated. It, it just seems to, you know, elude my ability to have a consistency of experience. What's going on? It drove me nuts. And so after 14 years and probably over $300,000 that I had invested just in my training alone, not including losses and lessons I learned from those, um, I had a series of events that occurred that motivated me to take some time out and really look at how can I figure out once and for all how to be consistent. I think it was providential because there were some things that just outside of my own control that, that occurred. And it was serendipitous events. But there was one morning, I'll tell you, this is, this is kind of the classic pivot point for me. I almost punched my computer monitor and <laughs> broke it. I was so pissed. I was boiling. And, and I just couldn't calm myself down. I was just really, I just had a very disappointing morning. So I got in my car and I've, I have a habit of like when I really just fly off the handle, I, I like to go to the beach. I go to the ocean. I just watch the ocean waves, listen to the ocean waves and just calm myself down. And that morning I went to a place called Silver Strand Beach and I have a nice little bench and area where you could sit and just hang out. And I noticed that off to the left, there's 17 surfers. And I remember the number 17 because I was, I, and I, I don't know, I think I was just distracted by, I was trying to distract my mind, but I was counting them. And I remember the number 17. 17 surfers were out there trying to surf the waves. And I noticed there were two that were just a little bit off to the side from the rest of the group. So 15 were kind of taking wave after wave. And these two that were off to the side seemed like they were amateurs trying to learn from the, the larger group of 15 surfers. Well, after about an hour, something really interesting happened. I began to realize, wait a second, every time those two, uh, those two surfers take a wave, they have a really good ride. It's a smooth wave. It's a, they don't crash and burn. But these other 15, they're like taking a lot of waves and they're crashing around a lot of time. And all of a sudden, I had this light bulb moment. I realized, wait a second, those two guys are not the amateurs. They're the pros. <laughs> the other ones are the amateurs because they're not crashing and burning. They're actually, they're not taking very many waves, but the waves they do take, they're really good waves. And I thought, wait a second, they have figured out a way to analyze how the waves are coming in. And they knew how to filter out the waves that weren't likely to provide them a good ride. And I thought, wait a second. That's got to be a principle in life. What if I stopped looking for opportunities to make money in the markets? Hey folks, just jumping in here now. This show is sponsored by Mudrix. Mudrix offers you three smart ways to make money from crypto. The first is coin sets, baskets of coins you can invest in based around themes and picked by experts. The second is algos. Choose from hundreds of robots that can trade crypto for you on autopilot. The third way is to create your own algos and tap into over 50,000 Mudrix investors. Click on my special referral link in the description below or the card above and get $25 when you join Mudrix today. Now that sounds crazy at first, you know, you know, you, you listen and go, what do you mean stop looking for opportunities to make money? Why would you be in the market then, <laughs> right, it's to make money? Well, it's so amazing how our perspective and our focus really can, can dramatically affect our experience and our outcomes. So what I decided to do, and I literally couldn't wait to get back in my car and just dart it back to my computer, went back home. And I began to figure out if I can instead look for trades that were not likely to lose money. Look at how different that perspective mm -hmm. is. Changes everything. And that led me down an interesting rabbit trail that started to uh, kind of open up a series of experiences and events 
that led me to figuring out that there's an inherent flaw that's unavoidably baked in every single trading and investment strategy that was ever developed or will ever be developed. And here's what it is. Whenever you develop a strategy to approach the market, that strategy can only be developed based on the current and past conditions of the market. And that's why we do live forward testing and then back testing to test out our strategy, our approach for identifying opportunity. And then we develop rules around that, right? Well, the problem is the markets are constantly evolving and changing in such a way that you're never going to have the same real exact condition or circumstance. And as they change just enough, the conditions your strategy was developed in is going to start to perform inconsistently, poorly, or not at all. It's inevitable. And that's the reason people struggle with inconsistent performance and have inconsistent experiences. The other thing that people will experience is they feel stuck holding on to large drawdowns, right? They have to endure these downturns and they, or they take big risks. Those things are not conducive for long-term sustainable success. And so when I realized that, then I started to realize, well, wait a second, how can I then avoid this constant evolutionary change that I don't, how, how can I control that? Well, I can't, it's always going to be there. The only constant is change. So then one morning I was listening to the news and the guy happened to be talking about the surf forecast. Now I'd never paid attention to that, but because it was in close proximity to my experience and the surface had kind of changed my, my opinion about what I should be looking for. And isn't this just like Providence? I, my, my eyes are tearing up a little because it's, I, I get emotional because it was just my life, life changing moment. Well, the guy, that the anchor, kind of was prodding the weather forecast, the meteorologist, about, you know, about the surf report. And the guy went into explaining how they can forecast the surf and all the different conditions that, that they, took, they take into account, all the flat factors that, that affect the, the, the height of the wave and how it's coming in. And I was like, There's, they're, they're, they're looking at environmental factors. Well, wait a second. The market has environmental factors. Well, what are those? And I went back and began to figure out there's eight major supply and demand forces that, that cause prices to rise and fall in the market. But Cam, you know that most people are always focused on either technical analysis and all the different variations of, that, that that offers, from Elliott Wave to GAN to MACD and all that stuff. You've got fundamental analysis, right? And all, all of what that uh, encompasses. Well, but those are only two out of eight major forces of supply and demand. So that, that's another aspect that is blindsiding people, causing inconsistency and frustration, because most people are focused on one or two or a combination of those two, right, those forces. So when I started reverse engineering, figuring out how do I look at all eight factors that are impacting price as an aggregate force coming into the market, I developed, I was able to take those individual forces and I brought them down and refined them into a simple indicator at the bottom of my charts to allow me to see what essentially is um, what the aggregate influential impact on price is going to be, kind of like a fuel gauge. If you can imagine going into your car, right, without having to look at the hood under the hood or understand what's going on inside the engine, 
you look at this fuel gauge and it says, I have a quarter of a tank of gas left and you want to drive 250 miles. Instantly, that visual input of a quarter of tank of gas, you know, that will not give you 250 mm. miles. You're going to, it, it directs your, your, your actions in that you know that you've got to stop and refuel, right? So now that is guiding what you're going to do. So what this does is, and I don't want, I want to make sure people don't think this is just a, a, a the secret sauces in the indicator. The indicator is doing all the heavy lifting, calculating all these different uh, inputs for you to give you an understanding of all the forces and their statistical impact or likely impact on price as an aggregate. So you have this fuel gauge, but then how do you interpret, well, how many miles is going to give me, right? And, and, and then, of course, how does this work on different uh, time frames, you know, whether I'm a short-term, medium-term, long-term investor or trader, depending on what my objectives are. So if you think about a, a diamond, if you buy a diamond, you wouldn't look at one facet, one side of a diamond. You'd look at all facets, every side of the diamond to, to understand the quality and the value of that diamond. So this is looking at all of the facets that are going to be influencing the markets. And so there's, it's really the process, which I call market vulnerability analysis, encompasses all of these different facets. So when we look at that indicator that gives us all eight major forces of supply and demand, then we look at that and see how to interpret that. And we have a process to analyze and help us forecast with at least an 80 to 90% level of accuracy what we can expect the market to do where it's at while also understanding the state the market's in. So to, to make sure that nobody misunderstands what that might mean, if, if someone's thinking, well, well, gosh, if you can forecast the market with 80% accuracy, you can be in the market all the time. Not true. When you're forecasting a storm outside, would it be wise to go running your errands in the middle of a storm? Of course not. not. Likely. <laughs> right? You'd, you'd wait until the storm passes. So most people don't understand and give much uh, appreciation or credit for the for how fragile our emotions, our psychology can be, right? When we're tempted with uh, really um, um, stormy market conditions, let's say. That puts us under pressure. Now, if you can forecast that the market's going to go from point A to point B, but what you might have to endure along the way is going to influence and impact your nerves, putting you under pressure, it takes some wisdom to realize, well, now, wait a second. Just like you know how to drive a car. Cam, you drive a car, don't you? Yep. You know the rules of the road, okay? But despite all your experience... And your knowledge of the rules of the road and how to drive your car, don't you find yourself pushing the envelope a little bit, driving the car a little bit more aggressively when you're running late to an important appointment? Yep. Right? <laughs> to my detriment, so, yeah. Yeah, when we're, when we're under pressure, all the stuff that we know to do, we start to rationalize and justify how it's okay, I'm going to do this, or I'll try. we think we can get away with something. And oftentimes we do, and that's a problem because – we don't know, you know, when is that one time that can have a life-altering impact, right? And so we don't want to get ourselves into a habit of that, and especially when it comes to money in the markets. So what we do is we also say, look, you're forecasting that the environment is stormy. Never mind that you can forecast where the market's going, but you should sit out right now and wait for the market to calm down. So what we do is we're able to objectively identify whether the market is actually statistically predisposed 
in our favor to hit the target that we're looking for? And is the experience going to be nerve-wracking or will it be an enjoyable one? It's not going to be too much stress in order to get from where we are to where we want to be. And that's what creates the consistency and the robust, sustainable approach that market vulnerability analysis offers. Awesome. Now, uh, there's a couple of things there. I mean, one, I thought your story was going to be amazing if you uh, if you said one of the surfers came out and it was Kelly Slater. And you, <laughs> you were like, oh, this has got to be a sign. Um, <laughs> and secondly, so how, did, how on earth did you come up with the or discover the eight forces so or the eight factors that that sort of are su- supply and demand drivers i mean what research did you have to do and and where did you stumble across it and how did you decide that that was definitely one and you know discount this one uh, it must have been quite a journey it was i literally was obsessed 16 18 sometimes 20 hours a day seven days a week literally without exaggeration for almost two years i was just in my room obsessed and i don't even know how <laughs> I, I don't know what, how I how I got through that period. It's it's I, it's, it's a blur, right? It, it was something was driving me. So I felt like there was something bigger than me working through me. Um, but it was when I saw the the weather forecast and and the anchor was egging on the meteorologist and and having him explain all the different environmental factors. I started looking. Well, what are environmental factors in the market? And I began to read obsessively and research and look at everything I could possibly see. That you know, so you look at market sentiment. There's volatility. These are all forces, right? These are factors that influence price. Um, you have uh, liquidity, uh, what I call prime pools of liquidity, which I'll discuss in a moment. Uh, but those are areas that. Uh, people with um, unique insight to the order flow, kind of like a broker or market maker, you know, in the, at the exchange could see, right, the orders and or investment bank where they can see where their clients orders are. And, you know, like Goldman Sachs is known to trade against their own clients. Right. Yeah. Um, there's prime pools of liquidity. And that's often where an algo or, again, a broker or someone like that who wants to manipulate the market can within that uh, pool of liquidity, that area. And, and if you can actually identify that, which is one of the things that we can identify with market vulnerability analysis is to see how far can the market be manipulated for where it's at right now. Well, if I know this, that becomes part of my, what I have to take into account for my risk. So I know that there's an 80 to 90% probability that the market is going to potentially along the way to hitting my target can operate within the zone that could be against my position. And if I know that, then I know where I have an appropriate place that I should put a stop where I know that if, if it goes beyond that, that's the 10 or 15 or 20% of the time where I'm wrong, something dynamic happened, that's okay, I can handle that, and I limit my risk to no more than 2% of my account capital, right? So it's not big risk. Um, but I also have to know, well, that risk I have to take, do I have an equal or greater amount of reward? Because if I don't, that's not worth my investment. It doesn't make sense for me to go into that. So, so those factors have to be in there. Well, also knowing I have an 80% or higher probability that the market's going to follow through. So I, I looked at um, I looked at that. Uh, that was another factor. You have um, you you have subsets between these forces that are at, at at work, and so then you have order flow, you have trade flow, you have volume. Those are all part of volume, right? So you have all these things that you need to look at, and then you have to look at how are they influencing price. You have to look at the uh, geopolitical issues um, and and the macroeconomic factors. Those are also forces. 
how are they influencing price and what is it what is on average when when news comes out this way or, or if this comes out that way you start to look at all the different uh, levels and range of outcomes that can occur and what their likely percentage of impact on price is going to be historically and currently and then together you start to create a a, a level of odds and you're stacking odds one on top of the other and as you stack the odds and you're stacking all eight together and which includes our subsets that's what provides the robust consistent objective analysis of being able to forecast price accurately which allows you to do two things actually and if you think about what we're doing is market vulnerability analysis is enabling you to create um, a picture of where there's demand imbalance from where price is at so when if price is at a level demand is another you could see that and it creates an, a natural arbitrage opportunity for you to go in there and profit if those parameters that we talked about a second ago about the risk reward being appropriate the probability of, of hitting that target are there, all that stuff. When all those factors line up, we've got a perfect storm that says, yes, this is an investment where I'm not likely to lose my money. That's the one I take. So we're learning how to say no more than we're saying yes, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the opposite of that, when there's a demand imbalance on the high side, when the market's up, like we had, for instance, when we had the... Uh, coronavirus triggered the crash right back in 2020 that was a forecastable event except for now the event itself in terms of what triggered the event coronavirus was not necessarily what's what was forecastable but what you could forecast was the fact that the demand had dramatically shifted well below where price was at and as price pulled back you could see demand accelerating utilizing all eight factors of supply and demand those factors that we talked about the aggregate of those told us that demand is significantly outpacing price, telling us there's a very high probability that we're going to have a substantial correction that can very likely lead to a crash. And you knew, just giving back a little bit from the off the highs, that you need to take defensive action. If you have a long-term portfolio like a retirement account, you need to go into cash and save yourself that 30% plus drop, right? And if you have a trading account, a brokerage account, you can take that short and profit on the way down like some of my clients did. So, and, and, and I say some of my clients because there's two brothers that, were, that are clients of mine. They're both very proficient. They're both successful. One of them was actively watching these things. The other wasn't. And, and one of them rode the crash down and the other one saw it, pulled in, in, into, into cash, saved his retirement account from having to ride that took a trade short on his brokerage account, made 35% in two days. And then when the market bottomed out, began to come back up, he came back and he rode that up rather than filling a financial hole. He was actually able to use that as a gain. So that's the wisdom behind the process. And and so, I mean, in terms of like the, um, I suppose being able to objectify these eight factors so that it's not subjective. And you talked about like, you know, economic global, you know, uh, factors that are coming into play here. I mean, how did you, how did you manage to do that so that, Obviously, that you're dealing with numbers, I'm guessing, as opposed to yes. what what some central bankers said, uh, and the, and they, you know, the, the the face they gave when they when they gave their speech. Um, so, how have so you managed there, to do that? So what happened was I had to do a large amount of data crunching, and I and I and then I wanted to. For me, it's funny. I failed math twice in high school. <laughs> okay, so I'm not the guy you'd think would figure this stuff out, right? Yeah. And so 
it, but there was just a lot of interesting things that were coming together that was figuring out. And so, but being someone who is really visual, I'm not, I don't, I'm not as academically minded as I might seem on the surface. Um, I, I was taking those, imp, those outputs and I started uh, creating a visual uh, output for myself and began to notice how there's a range that when I put together and I, and I kind of calculate those a certain way, it's able to provide a, a range that's statistically relevant for what I'm looking for in terms of its uh, probability of impact. And then when I start to look at the probability of impact for each of those factors, I started to kind of find kind of where those visual outputs are going. And I began to little by little combine one after the other until I was able to combine all of them into that one simple reading. So now, um, like a, a person utilizing market vulnerability analysis would look at a simple indicator at the bottom and it shows them essentially the fuel for that symbol, regardless of the market or asset class, futures, commodities, stocks, crypto, forex, it doesn't matter, right? If you're trading options, when you put it up on a price chart, you need to know what the underlying asset's going to do. So you have to analyze that correctly for you to have a successful options trade. So it doesn't matter what you put up as long as you can put it on, on a price chart. And you look and see, okay, right now for where price is at, the fuel or the demand factors, the aggregate demand factors are saying there's where price is at, it's not sustainable. Okay. But that's only that's only one aspect, right? Then we got to apply the rest of the process of the market vulnerability analysis to look at all the different facets to know how to interpret the data from each of those uh, uh, timeframes and what we look at. And then together, we're able to create an objective forecast of the range of where the market and direction, by the way, of where the market's going to need to go to rebalance itself back up to where demand is at. Because think of pr price always swinging up and down. Think of a pendulum, right? A pendulum is always swinging, you know, this way, right? So the, the center is the balance, okay? So, so if, if, the, if the market's going to basically swing out of balance, right? So that's where price is at. Demand's over here. Price has to come back and meet demand at some point, and then it swings back out the other way. And so this constant swinging in and out of balance from where demand is at is what creates those opportunities, but also helps us objectively forecast when the market is at a point where the price level is not only not sustainable, but demand is very quickly outpacing where price is at and radically decelerating, falling down. And that tells you, okay, this is not going to be a normal pullback. This is turning into a potential crash. And I can take defensive action before it turns into a double-digit loss. And what, what time frames do you sort of... Um does this stuff work best on because i'm guessing with this fundamental analysis kind of thing are people able to day trade this and you know look at your information on a daily basis and go okay well this is going to give me a setup for today or, or some setups or whatever it is or, or is it more longer term so what's exciting about that is think of uh when a weather forecast or a meteorologist they'll use a barometer right um the wind meter moisture all these things that are constants right and you could put them at Antarctica, South Pole, North Pole, Africa, uh, you know, America, Europe. It doesn't matter. They're, they're, those instruments work the same and provide the same output, right? So it doesn't matter the condition, the time. It doesn't. None of those things. Those are principal factors. That are always that are always um, constant. Now, because they're constant, 
you can take those outputs reliably and now you have something you can take action on. So essentially, whether you're on a daily, weekly, monthly, or a one-minute chart or a 10-second chart, you'll have equally as effective analysis, equally as accurate, no matter what time frame you use. So it's very consistent no matter where you're, you're focused on. So that allows it to become self-adaptive to both the market but also to the person. Some people are mm. weekly and monthly traders, investors. Some, some people are swing, swing traders, position traders. Some are day traders that like to go in and out. Some are scalpers. So really um, adapt to the person and their unique perspective. And, and then whatever the market's doing, again, it's, it's measuring the changes rather than being affected by the change. Maybe I can answer you a little bit differently. Um, let's say you have a strategy, it, and, it, and this works on whatever strategy anyone wants to apply because it's a layer of analysis. So if you have a strategy um, and your strategy suddenly falls out of favor, okay, it's out of vogue and it's, it's no longer as effective, and let's say your strategy was producing 60 70% uh, win rates and it suddenly is working at a 40% win rate, and let's also assume that you're uh, taking a one-to-one risk-reward ratio, so you'd never risk more than what you thought you could make when you enter the trade at minimum. You could make more, but you at least want to take a, make a one-to-one. One one. Well, if you have a 40% win rate, that's a losing strategy. But with market vulnerability analysis, it will actually identify no less than 80 to 90% of the 60% out of 100, let's say, of your strategy, right? 100 positions that, that are identified as opportunities. You have 40% win, 60 you're going to lose. It'll give you at least 80 to 90% of the 60 that are going to lose. You'll know them up front before you have to take them and commit, so you avoid taking them all together. So if you had a strategy that produced 100 opportunities, you wouldn't trade them anymore. You wouldn't trade all 100. You only trade the ones that are going to win and the 10 or 20% that kind of come through that, you know, that are losers. So now think about that. If you had an 80% level of accuracy. And by the way, the reason it's 80 or 90, it really comes back to the diligence of the person's application of the methodology, right? I'm teaching people how to go out there and become self-reliant, self-sufficient doing this for themselves. So you have to learn the methodology as a skill set that will serve them for the rest of their lives. When they learn it, how they apply it's up to them. So um, the more diligent you are, you're going to produce a 90% level of accuracy, which I have plenty of clients to do that all the time. But let's say you have an 80% level of accuracy. Well, 80%, that means you're going to avoid, you're going to take 12 losers out of 60, right, instead of all 60, because you're avoiding, what, 40, um, the 48 trades that you would have otherwise taken on top of that, on, on top of the 12, right? Yeah. So 12 trades that you took that lost, plus the 40, okay, you've got a total of 52 trades that you took instead of 100. So you're trading less, not losing more, on a losing strategy. And if you think about, well, wait a second, if I have 40 winners out of a total of 52 trades that I took, that's like, what is that, a 76% win rate or something like that? You're over 75% mm -hmm. as a win rate on a losing strategy simply because you avoided the losers. It's interesting It's interesting you say that because I, I do it. I mean, I'm, I build a lot of trading robots and I do a lot of analysis to see if you know something has an edge. And what I can tell you is that most of the strategies that I, or not even strategies, like simple signals that I will test have about a 47 to 50% win rate. 
Okay, yeah. they might just be on 50%, which is overall, it's a losing strategy, right? Or it's a losing signal, should I say. Um, so this sort of thing is what it needs to, to try and get that edge up to, to, to be something more, more sustainable or sustainable in its own right. That's Correct. very interesting. Yeah, because you're not because you're not focused on winning, you're focused on not losing, and the winners take care of themselves. They yeah. they virtually fall in your lap. You know, I mean, I I, I don't want to oversimplify, but it's you're letting it come to you because it'll be obvious, right? I, there's a one unfortunate aspect to this, and that is, um, embarrassingly, I spent an ungodly amount of money trying to figure out how I can turn this into an algorithm because you know it can operate twenty four seven. Well, I learned the hard way something really interesting. Right now and for the foreseeable future, from, from what I know from some, some experts that are in, in this field, we're probably not going to see in our lifetime a, uh, the ability for a, an algorithm to interpret context in the same way the human mind can. So, you know, right now you can, when you are developing an, an algorithm, it's a, it's a set of definitions and program that you're programming into it, right? Well, those rules uh, are, are static. Now, you can have AI, right, artificial intelligence. You can have machine learning. You have neural networks, all these things that are kind of cool and sound really nice as technology. Unfortunately, this is not for the lazy, I'll tell you. Um, this is the one drawback is you, you have to be willing to learn this, learn this as a skill set for yourself. The computer can't help in uh, producing the consistency you want um, because if you program an algorithm – when I did, it would beat me in the beginning, and then I'd always beat it. And I thought, why is it doing that? And, and a couple times it would feed on itself. What's going on? Well, it turns out, if you, let's say, let's, let's use the word runs, R-U-N-S, okay? And you put the definition of that. Well, watch this. My nose runs. The boy runs. The water runs. The car runs. The word runs is in, is in every one of those sentences but it means completely different things because of the context of the sentence, right? Mm. So a computer might go, oh, the nose runs. It's going to see my nose leaping off my face and running, you know? And that's going to cause it to do weird things with your financial account, right? <laughs> so, so that's where those algorithms go wrong and why they're not sustainable and why there's always – and it's very difficult to keep updating those things with the constant evolutions and changes in the market. So I finally realized I got to give that up and just – be willing to accept the fact that I'm going to have to do this manually. It's a mechanical skill set, which is, God forbid, any of us has to learn a skill set that we get to use and be valuable for the rest of our lives that we know that no one's going to take away from us, right? We can go anywhere in the world with it. So that's one of the things where you have a lot of control in the palm of your hand with market vulnerability analysis, because that's something you could utilize anywhere at any time, and it's never going to fail you because it's based on principle aspects of the market that never change right just like gravity that's just something you have to live with it never changes right a barometer measures pressure right and so it, it, that's never going to change you're always going to have high pressure and low pressure it's going to measure that so despite the changes it's there to measure the change and that's what we do now you mentioned earlier on that you know you're able to sort of get get a vis get some visibility on liquidity pools i mean how did you how did you manage to do that into because i mean i think this this is something a lot of people that listen to the show and watch the show uh, are interested in in terms of like you know where's the liquidity at how do i how do i sort of you know uh, use that liquidity how on earth did you 
across so many markets managed to get a good view of what the banks and brokers are seeing? So, you know, if you, again, I think the weather is a great analogy. If you think of weather, they can, they can see high pressure, low pressure. They can see all kinds of things. And they know that within that environment, there's only so much that clouds can do or, or how clouds can form or how much moisture can be produced to, uh, or, or an environment that can cause a, a cloud to rain, for instance, right? Because like, for instance, you and I can't walk out under a clear blue sky and have it suddenly start pouring rain over us and thunder and lightning, right? We, we're going to see the clouds rolling in first, and then we're going to see them develop. And just because it's a cloudy day doesn't mean it's going to rain. We have to have environmental pressures that cause those clouds to produce rain, right? So those things are things you can actually visually identify because that data output, you can actually put it on to a screen and you can see the visual, you know, almost like, a, again, when you see an indicator, you see that visual aspect of how it's actually going up and down. Well, that visual output is showing you the pressures, right, or the liquidity pools, how thin, how shallow, or how much volume there is, right? So you see that visually and you go okay well that can create this amount of splash it's very improbable right unlikely that it will create a splash beyond you know this range so that tells you well that's where if someone you know i'm sure you have active you know traders who have experienced a time where they they could see there was a really solid level of support historically and they figured they put their stop loss underneath that and they want to go long um and they think the market's kind of bottomed out fine well and then they get triggered in it goes up a little bit teases them snaps back stops them out and then goes in their direction without them right that's a frustrating experience right they feel like it's very personal like it was that that's called a stop hunt right they're running their stops right yeah that is because they didn't realize there was a prime pool of liquidity that was actually shallow enough that could be manipulated and someone who was paying attention a broker or anyone would see there's orders there and there's enough of a shallowness in that support that there was enough to manipulate just enough down, but then the rest of what was there in the market would support the continuation back up in the direction that was originally supposed to go. Right. So I was able to, again, through the thousands of hours of just data mining and putting that together, I began to see how, there was percentages and ranges that I could see that began to help me develop my process for what I can allow and how to develop the process to know how to interpret that data. And it began to give me a range. And so you can kind of see visually a range on the chart between this price and that price. This is an area where it can be manipulated or um, right over here, we've got a very solid support and that's very unlikely to be broken. You know, it will tell you visually just like that fuel gauge in your car, it's not anything that's really complicated. It's nuanced because there's a process to interpreting and applying the data, but the actual compilation, what you see, all the heavy lifting, the, the, the kind of the, the complicated stuff's done behind the scenes. All you see is this simple little, you know, line of that tells you kind of how much fuel there is where demand is going to either be pushing price higher or lower. Mm. It's going to cause it to chop sideways, you know? So there's an element there that helps you understand what you can anticipate uh, in terms of solid areas of support and resistance so they're not failing you and you don't have that whipsaw experience like most people have. It, 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 I mean, it, I'm picturing in my mind the likes of a like a market profile or a volume profile kind of indicator, which sort of does the same thing in terms of like it'll give you like an area historically where there was 
a lot of movement going on, a lot of activity, um, not necessarily where people have placed their stops or, you know, they can, you know, that that sort of thing. But it does give you that kind of thing. Now, um, talking about uh, different kind of markets, I mean, how does how does like a crypto market compare to a to a you know the the stock market and do you have to do different kinds of sort of analysis to get something that works in this sort of new environment so it's actually exactly the same way you you would apply the same process exactly the same way because again because of its ability to measure the changes it's seeing um, the different behaviors of the individual market or symbol that they're looking at and so think of it like, um, you know, people in your life, that they're, they're a bit, you know, hyper, right? And, you know, people that are kind of really calm, you know, and a little bit slow and steady. Those are personality profiles, right, that we can, we can uh, project. And people that you know, you, you can kind of, kind of predict, right, based on their personality, what they're likely to do in certain, certain scenarios, right? So what this is allowing you to do is to see the personality of each symbol, each market. If there's a change, you'll see the change. So it goes well beyond. So as an example, you're using the volume profile. Um, and that's one of the things that people get in, into a trap on is, is they kind of, they, they pick these almost like a silver bullet type, you know, indications and signals. And they, and they try to build a strategy or, or an approach to that. Um, and you really have to take, that's only one input out of all these other inputs that have to be taken into account as an aggregate. And that starts to build the profile of, okay, crypto versus stock versus anything, you'll see that this one has more erratic movement. Um, and so it shows you the level of liquidity and in the, in the, in the areas of, of the market that you have to take into account. And you might find very quickly that, wow, no matter what I see here, the level of risk I have to take into account for the potential reward that I'm assessing, it's just not worth my time. So then you just leave that and go to a different, a different market and go, wow, now this one, you know, as I'm seeing these opportunities, it's, a, it's much healthier. It's more orderly. And what this does is giving you a level of confidence, control through the consistency, right, to, to bring back a level of certainty to your outcomes and your experience. Cool. Awesome. And is there anything I haven't asked today that that I should have asked? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think who who is this best uh, suited for? And because it could sound like you know anybody can come and do this. Now, now anybody can do this. I have you know homemakers who basically were high school sweethearts, got married out of high school, had children homeschool the children, never had a job, never had an academic degree, and they're in their 60s learning this and doing this just as well as a professional. I've got engineers, I've got doctors, I've got accountants. It doesn't matter. So there's no background or experience that, that, that this requires, from total newbie to a 20-year veteran. But what it does take is someone who has a realistic approach to what they want to do. It's not it's wrong to come and think that you're going to get rich quick or this is about steady consistency. When you have consistency, that's what allows you to compound and accelerate the growth of an account where you start to make some really meaningful returns that you know you can you can be confident about keeping. Because it's it's one thing to have investment capital and to make money. It's a whole other thing to know how to keep it, right? To not give it back. 
And that's the thing. The key is to be consistent. And so but the, the methodology is consistent. That's like buying a car. It's, it's guaranteed to give you a certain level of performance or, you know, from zero to 60 and all that stuff, yep. how you drive, it's up to you. Right. So I would say someone who is willing to learn a skill set, it only takes 10 to 15 hours a week. I've got a guy who only took, who only had five to seven hours a week, um, took a little bit longer time, but is, is, is doing amazing with it. So it's a part-time effort, but through the consistency, I know a lot of people can actually um, allow it to compound over a two-year period and actually start to look at replacing their full-time income through the part-time effort. So it's, it's great for that, for someone who's really looking at something steady, something consistent, something they can be in control of and be self-sufficient in rather than being dependent on this, that, or the other thing, or having to worry about what's working now or the next new thing or version 2.0. <laughs> that's not for, you know, so I, 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 that's what I think is, is probably the most important thing that people have to keep in mind is, is it is a skill set and they have to be serious about it. Cool. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Um, if they go to marketforecastingacademy.com, there's a, um, a report there called, I call it the Financial Markets Manifesto that I wrote that I think they'll really enjoy. It'll, it'll have, it's not too long, uh, but they'll really get a lot of in-depth understanding about this. But then that opens them up uh, and gives them access to a five-day market forecasting primer, which is going to be educational. They'll learn a lot about how the methodology works and see a lot of um, you know, uh, experiences from it and what people have done with it and what it does and how it works. Um, but again, marketforecastingacademy.com is the best way to learn about this. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Roger for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed, along with that health link as well, will be in those uh, show notes over there on tradingnut.com. Um, until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Hey, folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100K. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. So there you have it folks interview with roger dunn and dusted do remember check out that health protocol that he's created this website there's probably i don't know 15 20 pages in there uh and check out the high dose vitamin c how you do it how you what the steps involved there's other things around there and in terms of covid and all sorts of stuff so go and check that out links under the video here guys and do remember we have also got three videos going live this week the first with derek vanderlinder the second with dr martin you're going to find out his, the strategy he used grow his account initially from 5k to 150k uh, in six months time so you're going to find you're going to see that video and learn that strategy as well as a mudrex mudrex we've got a mudrex video coming out where i'm going to walk you through their bot building process how you can build strategies that you can run on the mudrex platform and get people to invest in those and you can basically make money off this sort of stuff so this is another way you can make money by trading the crypto markets with uh, a fully automated solution all right guys um talking about fully automated solutions my robot builders club still uh, the doors are open if you do want to automate all or some of your trading uh, confidently basically do whatever it is you can dream up uh, turn it into an automated robot or a semi-automated robot then it's still open the doors are still open to my ro robot builders club i teach you the strategies i've worked 
out over the seven plus years I've been using the FXTreamer software. If you want to know what it's all about, go and check out FXTreamer or go and check out the uh, tradingnut.com forward slash trading robots or just find the robots link in the top nav or under the show. And uh, you can get the free training that I give. And also you're going to get a free robot with that as well that you can actually use and try out and see what it's all about. Uh, And November is probably the best month to join at the moment because we've got the fake structure bot. You can get the source code to that. You can get the full bot. The performance reports are up there on tradingnut.com for the month of November. And also uh, I'm probably going to do some little offer. I don't know what it is on Black Friday. So stay tuned for that if you're looking for a a chance to join or a time to join. All right, guys, enough from me. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you in the next video.